First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. Moody used to say, look at the stars when he would think about Christmas, and he'd say, our inheritance is above. And then when he would speak about Christmas, he always described it in light of what he called the hope that God gave. And he called that hope a lamp of promise. Merry Christmas and welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to join us now for a Christmas conversation that is just a little bit out of the ordinary. We'll talk with author Kevin Belmonte about a few facts and observations centered on Christmas as D.L. Moody would have thought about it. And we'll get started in just a moment. All of these weekly first-person interviews are kept online where you can stream them anytime. You can also download programs to listen to anytime by using our free smartphone app, First Person Interview. I just spoke with someone the other day who routinely downloads these programs and takes them in the car to listen. Look for the app, First Person Interview, in your respective app store. Our guest, Kevin Belmonte, is an author who has written many books, including biographies of some of the greats of our faith. His biography, D. L. Moody, A Life, is a classic, and Kevin has great stories from the life and ministry of the great 19th century evangelist. So I invited Kevin to come to us today with what Mr. Moody had to say about Christmas in his day. And I began by asking Kevin, who himself lives in New England, if he had any personal traditions. Oh, we do. Uh, Whenever we have a chance, we like to get a real Christmas tree. And uh, one of the nice things about living out here in New England is a lot of friends here in York, where we live by the sea, have tree farms. Huh. And so you can go and, and drive up, and they'll hand you a bow saw, and uh, they'll point you in the general direction of where the trees are, and you get to go pick one out and, and bring it home. So that's a tradition that we have that we really enjoy. That's great. I've seen photos of your home. It is so picturesque there. You, you actually live seaside? Close to it. I mean, we're within about two or three minutes of the ocean, depending on how you drive. But uh, <laughs> we try and spend as much time as we can there. Yeah, it's a great, uh, great place to live. All right. Well, again, Merry Christmas to you and your family. And I sure appreciate you joining us here for a Christmas conversation that uh, I've kind of thought of as a, a D.L. Moody anthology. And we'll get into all that in just a few moments. Of course, uh, you share a love for New England with the uh, famed evangelist D.L. Moody. That's right. Northfield is where he was born and where he lived for most of his life. Of course, Chicago was the other great city and center and and love of his life where he lived for a time and enjoyed so much. But uh, yeah, Northfield uh, sort of circles the uh, the New England side of things for him, and uh, it was a special place. And there are lots of fun stories about Christmas there in Northfield that I'd be happy to share with you if you like. Good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But before we get into that... I know you've spent some time in the British Isles as well. I wonder, is Moody's name still known there? Have you found that to be true? Oh, that's a great question, Wayne. Absolutely. Matter of fact, uh, there's a great uh, reference resource that is sort of the gold standard of British biography reference sources. It's called the Oxford Dictionary of uh, Biography. And it has a whole article devoted to Moody and Sankey, his great uh, hymn leader and song leader there, uh, their time in the British Isles is really seen as a cultural touchstone over in the U.K., so much so that uh, it really helped usher in a wave of spiritual renewal, uh, the ripples of which are being felt today. Hmm. Yeah. 
I'm just curious, was he ever there at Christmas time? Do you have any evidence of that? I do. And uh, matter of fact, there's one wonderful story. He was in Scotland uh, right around Christmas time. And, of course, they traveled by wagon in those days. And so as he's going along with his hosts, they were leaving in the early morning to go from one destination to another. And it was a bit hilly, so they were actually leaving just as the sun was starting to come up. And so they, they crested one hill and saw the sun rise, and they dipped down into a low spot. And as they crested the next hill, they saw the sun rise again. And then one more time it happened, and Moody turned to his host and said to him, this Christmas is especially blessed because I've seen the sun rise three times on Christmas. <laughs> he had a real sense of humor, didn't he? He did, and uh, I, I think that's one of the things that uh, that we lose sight of when we think of historical figures. Sometimes we tend to think of the ones that uh, loom large in the pages of history as sort of a marble bust or a memorial that you see, and they're sort of, sort of unapproachable. Yeah. Uh, and Moody was anything but that. He loved to laugh, he loved to, to play practical jokes, but he had a very quick wit. And so if he were on his feet or traveling with a friend in the story we just mentioned, he could turn around one of those quick uh, quips that would set people laughing. It kind of reminds me of Mark Twain in a way. Yeah, right. I can see that. Well, you've shared several photos with me through the years, and I think the photo that I recall uh, most fondly is the one of him uh, giving a carriage ride to his grandchildren there at Northfield. Uh, he loved to go around in the carriage. Uh, he had a horse named Nellie Gray that he loved to hitch up and go for carriage rides. And he had a wonderful grandfatherly trait that I, I think is really brings home a sense of what it was like to be there in Northfield. Of course, his children and their children, his grandchildren, lived close by. But he would go over in the early morning and sort of gather up the grandchildren when they were little and take them for carriage rides, and it was just time for him to be with those grandchildren and just enjoy them, uh, chat with them, hear about what they love to do. They could get donuts when they were freshly made in the morning, go out for a carriage ride, or go see the gardens in the summertime. It just brings a real sense of home to life when you look at those pictures and you realize the stories that, that lie behind them. Wow. I've never been to Northfield, Massachusetts, the um, Moody home there. It's now, of course, known as the Moody Center, separate from Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. But I I would love to go sometime, and I'd love to go when you were there. I think it'd be fascinating to walk those grounds with you, Kevin. You know so much about it. Well, that would be too much fun. We'll have to do that. All right. All right. Maybe we can. And I, I don't know if you ever took a sleigh ride instead of a carriage ride since we're thinking about Christmas right now. But maybe. Who knows, huh? Well, you know, I thought it would be just kind of fun here at Christmas time uh, to just kind of look back at uh, what D.L. Moody said and thought about Christmas. And you've done so much research into his life that you're you're the man here. So, where can we begin this anthology? Well, I think just sort of in keeping with a, a sense of fun and, and what Christmas was like with the Moody family at home, I have a, a few fun stories I could share, and then okay. I could actually give you uh, some quotes and things that that. Speak of what Christmas was like for him, so we'll start with the fun first. One of the, the things that I love is that Moody loved to play board games. You know, you can picture chess or checkers. Those have been around forever, but I found a, a nugget of research that's really interesting. Uh, his son-in-law, A.P. Fitt, who was born in Ireland, uh, was wonderful about sort of giving us these little vignettes, and he tells the story about how one Christmas uh, they gave him a, 
I think I've got the name right here, a crokinole set, <laughs> and it's sort of a tabletop shuffleboard game. And uh, he loved to play that. <laughs> and the way that A.P. Fit tells the story, I mean, he, he would play it until everybody else would bow out. They'd, he, just, he, he would do it like for hours at a time. <laughs> and uh, he was really into it. The, the other game that he loved to play is a game we know by the name of Chinese Checkers, but oh, it's sure. actually called Halma. Yeah. And uh, it yeah, came I, around. I used to play that with my grandparents all the time. Really? Yeah. Well, how about that? Uh, well, see, there you go. I, I had not heard the name Halma. Of course, Chinese checkers I recognized, which was sort of a made-up name to make it sound sort of exotic mm-hmm. back in the day. But, uh, yeah, Moody was a mean Halma player. He <laughs> liked to play that game as well. <laughs> well, when we think about Christmas time and all the families gathering and all the board games going to be played, it's in the best tradition of D.L. Moody, I guess, that we're doing that, huh? That's right. Well, the, one of the other fun things is that, uh, is that I associate it with Christmas because of what I'm about to tell you, is that people were forever giving Moody a present of pets of all kinds. And uh, one of the pets that he was given was actually a donkey from the Holy Land, uh, and I'm pretty sure it was D.L. Moody. I haven't been able to nail it down just yet, but he christened the donkey Dandy. and. <laughs> The, the donkey lived there from the Holy Land on the house, and uh, they weren't quite sure what to do with it. So eventually they found a way to hitch him up to a mowing machine, and <laughs> Dandy earned his keep by mowing the house lawn. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Uh, I love these details. Well, share some of uh, Moody's thoughts about Christmas, if you would. I think when we begin to think about the things he said about Christmas, it's important to remember just before we get into that, that hearing from D.L. Moody at Christmas time, back when he was alive, was a lot like revisiting Dickens' A Christmas Carol mm-hmm. or hearing a, a sermon from C.H. Spurgeon at Christmas time from London. It was that kind of thing. Uh, hearing something, a message from Mr. Moody, or hearing a vignette about his family life in Northfield or Chicago, it came to sort of be an expected thing, a little bit of a Christmas tradition, if you will. And I think what makes that special, you know, you'd look, pick up a magazine like McClure's or Harper's Weekly, and you'd find these vignettes. But Moody, because he never went to seminary, and he never really picked up a lot of those very formal ways of describing the Christian life, he had a very come-alongside-you conversational way about him that helped bring Christmas home to people's hearts in ways they really grew to cherish. And the phrase that I thought of when I thought about our conversation today was that Christmas lived and seemed to become more real when he spoke about it. So here we go. Uh, Moody used to say, look at the stars tonight, when he would think about Christmas. And he'd say, our inheritance is above. And then when he would speak about Christmas, he always described it in light of what he called the hope that God gave. And he called that hope a lamp of promise. And I just love these brief turns of phrase because there's so much that that lamp of promise phrase really jumps out to me. And you think of all the imagery, you think of the lamp that we have in our house. And of course, they had um, kerosene lamps in his time. But then you also think sort of poetically of the stars, and in particular the Christmas star, as being the lamp of promise in the night sky. So those are the kinds of things that Moody would talk about when he would try and describe Christmas and, and help people feel a sense of why it was such a special time. 
We'll continue talking with Kevin Belmonte about Christmas and D.O. Moody coming up on First Person. I'm Ed Cannon. The Far East Broadcasting Company partners with First Person because we celebrate the stories of people everywhere who have given their lives to Christ and serve Him. Our broadcasters in 50 countries of the world hear stories every day of people whose lives are transformed by the gospel and who have faithfully been taught God's Word. In addition to First Person, I'm pleased that Wayne and I host a podcast, and we invite you to join us. Listen to Until All Have Heard at febc.org. That's febc.org. My guest is author Kevin Belmonte. Among many other books, he's written D.L. Moody, A Life, published by Moody Publishers, a wonderful biography of Moody, which we've talked about before here in the program, and those uh, interviews are in the archive, of course. You have another book on Moody, uh, Tom, published by Thomas Nelson, and then there's the uh, devotional. Tell me about the Moody devotional that you've put together, Kevin. That was a real labor of love, uh, Dave Powell, D.L. Moody's great-grandson, whose memory I cherish, he passed away this past spring, and he's a dear friend whom I dearly miss. We got to be such good friends over the last 10, 15 years, and uh, this was something I wanted to do for him. He had been so generous to me. I spent so many hours there in his, uh, his camp cottage there in Northfield, but then also he would gather... Kelly and I up, especially when our son Sam was little, and take us over to the Northfield Mount Hermon campus. And one memory in particular stands out. Uh, Dave took me over to the very horse carriage that we've been describing earlier in our talk that Moody used to like to take around with his grandchildren. He took me over to that very carriage which had been restored. And without so much as a word, Sam was about three or four years old at the time. He picked him up and set him in that carriage. and told us to get up there with him, and he took our picture. (laughs) And that's the kind of person Dave was. I think there was a very large part of his great-grandfather's heart and faith that shone through in lots of ways, and to spend time with Dave was to feel as though you'd been given a rare gift indeed. So the, the, the 365 book, what I wanted to do, typically these devotionals will give you sort of large chunks of sermons and things. And sometimes it's a little difficult to follow the thread of where they're going, even with someone like Moody, who, who didn't use a lot of highfalutin language. So what I wanted to do was to pick a series of three or four sentences, perhaps two at the most, that really drove home some of the most wonderful points about how he put the Christian life in front of people to whom he spoke. And to, to preface that with a verse or a passage of Scripture, and then at the bottom with a little for meditation, um, let's think about these thoughts as we read these, these quotes from Mr. Moody. So that was for Dave Powell, and uh, that came out in 2018, and it was my British publisher asked me to do it. I was very grateful to undertake that task. It's rich. It really is. Uh, let's get back to some of what uh, D.L. Moody said and thought about Christmas. Uh, so many that you've uh, pointed out to me that we could choose from. I'll let you choose, because they're all wonderful. I think the one that I would zero in on right away is one of the ways where he would explain what he called the hope of heaven, and he would do it in light of Christmas. He tried to find all kinds of ways, images from common life, like the Lord did with parables, to try and bring a shard of truth home to people's hearts. And So here's one of the the stories that I like. Moody said, what makes home so attractive? It's the loved ones there. 
How eagerly we look forward to Thanksgiving and Christmas when families come together again. I believe that is what heaven is going to be, a great Christmas where families will be reunited. Hmm. Beautiful. Tells you the man's heart, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, And I think there's a rare gift, there's a subtlety there in stories like that. A lot of times, pastors and Christian communicators, they, they struggle for ways to sort of express an idea of faith in ways that people can understand straight away. And Moody had that rare gift of being able to draw on his store of memories or just speaking about Thanksgiving or Christmas and finding a way to bring that before people and straight away they knew what he was talking about. And somehow, as I say, things of faith became more real when he talked about them. He just, I guess you call it a cradle gift, really, of of expressing truth that just uh, was something that was so accessible and so easy to understand. Yeah. Well, when we think of uh, an evangelist as D.L. Moody was, and of course this was the day when his voice was projected to masses of people, and so it had to be a a big voice, but we're seeing him in much more human terms right now, aren't we? I think so, and I mean, certainly he, you know, was a robust figure, and you look at the pictures, and uh, even though he was only about five foot six, not terribly tall, he was rugged. He'd grown up in New England Farming Company, and he did have a stout constitution and a rather stentorian voice. Uh, the few recordings that we have, which you and I have shared and talked about reading uh, from the Psalms, but also the Beatitudes, there are a couple of places on those old recordings where he wants to underscore a point for emphasis, and you can tell that he had power to project in his voice. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Wayne. I think he had that ability, uh, apart from the, the pulpit or the platform, when he addressed thousands at a time in these great gospel gatherings, he could come alongside people, and we have so many stories of him doing this, when they were walking the hills of Northfield, or say they were walking the streets of Chicago, to talk about things of faith. And, and you just, it was just you and Mr. Moody, whether it was uh, a conversation between a couple of people or these large gatherings, he, he could move very easily from one setting to another. Mm. I noted uh, the words of Henry Drummond that you pointed out to me, uh, of course, Henry Drummond was uh, someone who I'm not sure that we would align with him theologically today. I'm not sure we wouldn't, but I, you know, I just know that in history there's some controversy there. And yet, he and Moody were friends. And one of the finest tributes to Mr. Moody's home life, as you've pointed out, at moments like Christmas time, was written by Henry Drummond, who said that one can know the greatness, the tenderness, and the simple beauty of this man's character when one sees him at his own fireside. It was a home, said Drummond marked by affection. Yes. Now, you get so grateful for those moments. Uh, Mr. Moody, uh, most of the time, he didn't have time to write personal letters, but who he was, something of who he was, uh, his turn of phrase, and the way that he carried himself through recollections like that beautiful one that you shared from Henry Drummond, they're great. Uh, you know, the, somehow the dust and, and the, the sense of time that separates us from points in history seems to fall away when we read things like that. And, and you almost feel like you spend time with Moody when you read beautiful vignettes like that. Yeah. Tell me about the gift home. Ah. Now, if I were to describe this in a phrase before I go ahead and share the story with you, I would call it a 12 Days of Christmas story. Because technically speaking, it didn't take place at Christmas itself. It was just after the turn of the new year. 
But since it's such a brief story, uh, if you don't mind, I'd just go, like to go ahead and read it for you. Yes, please and, do. Uh, yeah. All right. Early on New Year's morning, Mr. Moody and his family were captured and carried off in a coach. They knew not why or whither. It stopped before a fine-looking row, and he was conducted into a house which, to his surprise, was full of his acquaintances and friends. After the greetings had been exchanged and he was wondering what it all could mean, the Reverend Dr. Patterson, on behalf of the gathering, presented him with a lease of the house and the free gift of all it contained as a token of love and respect with gratitude for his faithful labors under which they and Chicago had been so largely blessed. It was more like a dream than a reality. Hand in hand, speechless with wonder and tears of joy, Mr. Moody and his wife made the round of the beautiful rooms, so much finer than they had ever hoped to possess. When they had seen and admired them all, he tried to thank his friends for their kindness. In broken sentences, he told them how good the Lord had always been to him and that he had not trusted the Lord in vain. He gave some little history of his household before this, how they had sometimes struggled with poverty and been tempted to doubt the promise of God how sometimes the child or the mother had been sick and there was no money to buy medicines or pay a physician, how they had more than once been just ready to sink in despair for fear that God had forgotten them. Yet he had always come to their aid in good time. When this housewarming company took their leave, it was with the feeling that they had done all in providing this house under the Lord's own direction. And in this new home, Mr. Moody had the pleasure of entertaining his old pastor from Boston, Dr. Kirk, and here there was always comfort for the sorrowing and help for the poor. Beautiful. The gift home. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Kevin, I I so wish we had more time, but it is Christmas and we'll yield to the next program here, but I, I would love it if you would conclude reading the prayer that is attributed to Moody that he prayed near Christmas Day in 1870. Would you do that as we end? I'd be happy to do that. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that these dear friends may take the gift of God, which is eternal life, that they may take him to be their way, their truth, and their life, that they may this day and this hour believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Let thy blessing, we pray thee, rest upon the homes, and as the children shall gather on their festive occasion around the Christmas tree, may the blessing of God come upon them, and may there be a great multitude in this city that shall receive in this coming season God's Christmas gift. And thy name shall have the praise and the glory. Amen. That prayer ringing through the ages to us from D.L. Moody. Kevin Belmonte, thank you, brother. Merry Christmas once again to you and your family. Thank you, Wayne. Merry Christmas to you and your family. What a delight to speak with Kevin Belmonte and to hear the very words of evangelist D.L. Moody concerning Christmas. If you've never read the biography D.L. Moody, A Life, written by our guest, we'll put a link in our program notes at firstpersoninterview.com. As Christmas is celebrated around the world, please remember to pray for the gospel to be heard. The Far East Broadcasting Company is doing everything it can to spread this good news through radio and on various internet channels and apps. You can read more about it and listen to the podcast until all have heard telling more of the story at febc.org. Now, with a Merry Christmas to all who are listening and with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Please join us for a year in highlight program next week here on First Person. <laughs>